Hello and welcome to the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Podcast. My name is Rim. I'm an artist, a certified life coach and an NLP practitioner and the creator of the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Retreats. Passionate about celebrating joy and beauty in the everyday, especially when things are falling apart, I'm insatiably curious about human nature into the world with reverence, awe and a sense of wonder. Tune in for stories exploring healing through creativity, art, embracing sensitivity and navigating the subconscious mind. I'll talk about the struggles that highly sensitive and creative people face and share my experiences, insights and favorite tools along the way. I'm here to empower you to turn what we often deem to be a curse into your biggest gift. I believe that the more we create together, the more we heal the world. So let's dive in! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Podcast. I'm so happy and grateful for you tuning in. Today I want to talk about love. <laughs> I never thought I'd be talking about this topic one day, really. Like, I can't help but smile at the irony of me talking and talking about and preaching this concept of self-love. Yes, I'm not talking about love, love, but self-love, which is, I believe, the biggest form of love, at least the most important, because everything comes from that. Everything else comes from that. But... I used to be the cynical and sarcastic teenager who didn't believe in love at all. I think part of it is due to French education. I mean, I don't know how it is in other countries, but in the French system, we study a lot of sad love stories, sadness of, and you know, like, especially... Okay, so Twinkle just got onto my lap. <laughs> Maybe she knows that I'm talking about love and she wants a big cuddle from her mama. <laughs> so, yes, um, French literature, especially from the 19th century, is not really conducive to believing in a happy, happy love between two people. Like, not happy romantic relationships at all and well I can understand <laughs> that time it was at that time society was even more conditioned than what we are now so but actually when I think about that I think Russian literature is also quite sad in that regard in the regard of love and yeah I used to like one of my favorite books was War and Peace. And well, there is a true love story there, like a few true love stories, but they end very badly. They end by death. So yeah, I think I, <laughs> I very, like early on, I thought, okay, love, love sucks, actually. <laughs> it only makes for heartaches and despair and death. And there's like, I need to protect my heart because it's a, it's, it can be very fragile and it's something to be protected. And on the other hand, you know, there was all this uh, 
uh, rom-com stuff from the 90s and I thought that was really vanilla and marshmallow-like like ugh yuck yuck it's funny to watch you know it's like a <laughs> secret indulgence but I, I would never admit that I liked those movies and actually I didn't really like them they were just fun but yeah <laughs> so the concept of self-love so you can imagine if I didn't believe in love the concept of self-love was very foreign to me it's it's something like I've never heard about this before my I think it was in my mid-30s through the work of Catherine Woodward Thomas uh, in her books she talks a lot about uh, directing the mirror towards yourself with love kindness and compassion so that you can be at peace with yourself uh, at, at that time I really wanted to I was still believing in manifestation and I wanted to manifest the one and and her concept is her book is calling in the one and actually her, her idea what she said that at the end calling in the one is calling in yourself you are the one for yourself and this is true. I didn't find the one externally, but I did find me. And that's uh, uh, the greatest gift I could, I could find. And um, that's what I want. I, that's what I want to explore today in this, uh, in this episode. But first I want to address a big question that I had <laughs> with myself and you may have, which is, why do I think it's important to cultivate self-love as a sensitive and creative soul? Like, is it going to help me be more creative or be less sensitive? Or like, what's the point of talking about that? And well, I believe that one creates better things out of love rather than out of self-loathing. Granted, some very talented artists, others... Painters, blah, 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 they did create masterpieces while suffering from depression, anxiety, self-loathing, low self-esteem, and so on. But honestly, I don't envy their life at all. I have, in my own life, I have the very example of my dad. He was a genius, really, like artistically speaking. He was so talented. Everything he touched with his hands turned into beauty. It's like he had fingers of gold. And he could see all the beauty in the world. He, 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 he was really, for that, like, this was amazing. But he was really not happy. Um, he didn't, I don't think he loved himself. Like, I don't know, we never talked about this. But I really suspect he didn't love himself. He was unable to love his family. And I remember him telling me... <laughs> he used to drink a lot, so when he was really drunk and... Um, he, I remember him telling me so many times, like in a very sad way, that he didn't want to live anymore. And I thought at that time that he was a drama, he was like a drama queen. I was like, ah, oh, stop doing your drama, just just stop. Like if you don't want to live, don't live. That's how I was taking it as a teenager. Um, but <laughs> the truth is that he kind of did it. He ended up drinking up to. Dr drowning himself and then he became ill at uh, in his late 50s and passed away at 60 so which is a very premature death and at the end he was not creating anymore yes he had this potential and he displayed it 
very early on, he was an incredibly talented artist, but his self-loathing ended up sabotaging his art. He stopped creating things and making things. When I was a child, I remember he was still doing stuff, but then I think around age 10, like when I was around age 10, he kind of stopped. He was very disillusioned by the world we live in, our society, and he lived in a, a dictatorship with a lot of corruption as well so that didn't help for sure um, but he stopped making things and so my my question is what's the point to have talent if if it doesn't serve you to be happy to be happier and to live a, a beautiful life he gave up he suffered a lot and he made all of his family suffer a lot along with him i, I suspect him to be an hsp anyway because he was so sensitive to everything. Uh, but I, obviously, I don't know. I will never know for sure. But this brings me to something else. I, I really want to say, it's a big disclaimer. I'm not a mental health professional. I am not a mental health specialist. And I'm not pretending to be. I'm just talking here about my experience, my observation. And I'll, I'll talk also about some resources I've read and some encounters I had with some professionals, but I am not, <laughs> I'm not pretending. So if you suspect you suffer from mental health issues, please do seek support and help from a licensed mental health professional because coaching is not mental health support. It's an addition. Um, just be careful with whom you work. Make sure that my biggest advice is make sure they understand what it is to be an HSP and to be an empath. I think I'll record an episode about my experience with unhealthy health professionals. But anyway, that's for another time. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because personally, there were times in my life where I felt such deep confusion, intense emotions, melancholy, that I actually lost the will to live. Um, there were times where really I thought, I'm going to end it, I can't anymore. They it's not worth you know and i really thought there was something wrong with me and that I, that i could never make it i could never be seen be understood and be truly loved truly loved for myself and if you're going through such times first i want to say please don't give up you are not alone and also if it feels really bad and you have no one to talk to yes please seek help because you can be helped it, it's not it, you don't have to live like that forever and learning to loving yourself and is possible even with deep mental health issues but for that you need support later i understood that a big part of that was due to my empathetic and extra sensitive nature Another part was due to my family trauma, my childhood trauma, but also my family trauma. I had a, a session with Mark Wallin, the director of the Family Constellation Institute. If you haven't heard of him, he works on inherited trauma. One of his books is, is called It Didn't Start With You. And he got me to inquire deep into my lineage, especially the maternal side of my family into their traumas and and that made me see how difficult it was to access self-love 
given what the women in my lineage had gone through. And it's even not only the women in my family, it's also the women, women of the world. Of course, we are impacted still with, with our past, with the past of our society. Sorry about the background noise, like a squeaky, squeaky noise. It's my dog playing with her new toy. So our lineage and our heritage, genetic heritage, but also social heritage has an impact on us. And also, obviously, um, as I mentioned earlier, our childhood. Like I said, my dad, he was uh, very talented, but he didn't love himself. He didn't love life. And there is something else that he, his influence helped, like he, his influence led me to block, block out the notion of love. He is like, he used to be this kind of person who keeps saying a lot, I love you, I love you, I love you. But they don't act accordingly at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? This the kind of love bombing situation. And well, that's very confusing and infuriating for a youngster growing up and learning about trust. And then as an empath and a highly sensitive person, I found it natural to like I modeled I, I modeled my mom she is also an empath and an HSP to prioritize caring for the well-being of others and focusing on their needs before my own needs they can't handle it but you can make an effort was the tune I grew up to maybe this is something you you relate to I think it's quite common amongst empaths and sensitive at that time, obviously, I didn't know what an empath was and what a highly sensitive person was. But later, I understood that that actually a big part of my lack of self-love was due to my empathetic and extra-sensitive nature. It's A part was family trauma, childhood trauma for sure. But also, it was about being very, very sensitive and very attuned to the others. And then another... It's like pieces of, of a puzzle, you know, a jigsaw puzzle coming together. I don't believe there's one thing and that's the source of everything else. I think it's a lot of different pieces that kind of can be linked together and can and they build upon each other. But sometimes they don't necessarily build upon each other. They're just next to each other. Um, so another thing is like I realized I realized that my sisters, they are gaslighting experts. I didn't know. I didn't even, I was not aware about the term gaslighting. I just didn't understand why they hated me so much, especially the elder one, because the young one, we used to get on very well <laughs> before. Um, but the elder one, it was always uh, hate, <laughs> hatred, maybe a bit of love, but it was mainly hatred since I was born. Uh, so there was a lot of fight. There were a lot of fights. And for a very, very long time, I thought maybe there's something wrong with me. Why she cannot accept me? Maybe I'm not talking well enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I don't express myself well enough. I'm not as talented as she is. Or I'm more messy than she is. And, and all of these things. Um, but of course, <laughs> in one, like in my, always in that time, and it's 30, when I hit 30s. I, I really, I was feeling more and more suffocate, suffocated by this gaslighting and this kind of unhealthy relationships and this notion in the family that their feelings, their emotion, their needs 
what they have to say are more important than mine. <laughs> and I understood that by trying to carry a relationship with them, um, I was actually negating my needs. And by negating my needs, I was negating myself. So it was like a self-abandonment, abandoning myself in a way. I talk more about being an HSP and self-abandonment in podcast episode 22, if you're interested to learn more about that. But really, the problem about gaslighting is that it's very insidious and it's really difficult when you, because when you grow up, you're building your, your personality and you're also building your relationship to yourself. But, but when you... <laughs> when gaslighting is part of, of life or your family dynamic. And I'm not blaming my parents because they also suffered from gaslighting themselves. Uh, my sisters, they, they were children, of course, as adults. They have the choice to not be like that anymore. They have the choice to behave differently. But that's another story, actually. That's their responsibility. I cannot do anything about it. They choose who they want to be. But for me, now that I'm an adult, I can see... <laughs> That obviously this gaslighting didn't help me form a loving relationship with myself. And that being said, I can choose differently now. And I can also see, because I used to beat myself up. Like, oh, uh, why am I screwing things up? Or why I'm not that smart? Or why I'm, I'm failing at my relationships? Or why I can't meet the right people for me? Why am I always walking into toxic work relationships? Why am I attracting narcissistic women? And well, I think we it's normal. It's, it's like natural to go through these questions uh, because we try to make sense. But actually now I can see this part of, of me with more compassion and like, okay, that's when you were a little girl, you were not loved probably, like you were loved, but in a weird way. <laughs> and some of, of that was healthy and some of that love was not healthy and you didn't learn how to love yourself. And that's okay because now you can, now that you're aware of it, you can. So... What I take from that is that in order to love yourself, the first step is to become aware, to open your eyes and open and see what's going on. Um, and of course, <laughs> the next step is usually blaming, like blaming others and then blaming yourself. And, you know, but that keeps us in the loop of victimhood and that's not very loving. So then after that, it's uh, learning how to see ourselves with compassion. And that would lead to acceptance. I'm not sure which one is first, compassion or acceptance. Maybe it's both. It doesn't matter. Uh, but self-awareness, self-compassion, self-acceptance. That's how it is. That's how it was. Um, that was the story then. But now I can change it. And that's... I really believe that's the biggest gift you can give yourself because trying to be somebody else to please others or trying to, to always find reasons why things are not happening for you or to you or why things are happening to you, sorry. Uh, why, 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 why did they do that? Why do they do that? Why do I do that? <laughs> it's, it's not healthy and it, it's like always looking for a reason to criticize and criticize yourself and... That takes up so much energy <laughs> that it's really hard to have energy left to create, to dedicate to your creation, creation of your projects, but also creation to the life you want. 
which is a pity because life can be so much more and so much more interesting when we have energy for that energy and time and actually another key that uh, another thing that takes up a lot of energy is um, this uh, second guessing yourself and uh, always you know outsourcing your decisions and outsourcing responsibility I used to do that a lot. Um, I was terrified at the idea of making a decision on my own. I mean, I didn't make some on my own. But I like sometimes it worked well. But then when I realized sometimes it doesn't work well, like I've screwed up something, I took it as a sign. You see, you screw it up. You're not safe to, it's not safe to trust yourself. And you're, you should not be trusted with making good decisions and then I, I got into a spiral of uh, totally looking outside of myself and it was it's really it was really painful it's like you know what I don't know the image that comes to me is the dog who tries to bite its own tail and it doesn't realize it's his own tail uh, yeah well and speaking of liberating energy and um, and space and and always prioritizing other needs. I am reading a book called Burnout, The Secret to Solving the Stress Cycle by Emilia and Amelia Nagasaki. And there's one page, one expression that really stood out to me. It's called, they call it the human giver syndrome. Actually, it's not their own quote. I mean, they quote it from somebody else. It's, uh, I'm gonna read uh, an excerpt. In Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny, philosopher Kate Mann describes a system in which one class of people, the human givers, are expected to offer their time, attention, affection and bodies willingly, placidly to the other class of people, the human beings. The implication in these terms is that human beings have a moral obligation to be or express their humanity, while human givers have a moral obligation to give their humanity to the human beings. Guess which one women are. The human givers are the attentive, loving subordinates to the human beings. The giver's role is to give their whole humanity to the beings so that the beings can be their full humanity. Givers are expected to abdicate any resource or power they may happen to acquire. Their jobs, their love, their bodies. Those belong to the beings. Human givers must at all times be pretty, happy, calm, generous and attentive to the needs of others. Which means they must never be ugly, angry, upset, ambitious or attentive to their own needs. Givers are not supposed to need anything. If they dare to ask for or, God forbid, demand anything, that's a violation of their role as a giver and they may, and they may be punished. And if a giver doesn't obediently and sweetly hand over whatever being wants, for that too, the giver may be punished, shamed or even destroyed. In human giver syndrome, the giver isn't allowed to inconvenience anyone with anything so messy as emotions. So givers are trapped in a situation where they are not free to move through the tunnel they might even be punished for it. Your body, with its instinct for self-preservation, knows on some level that human giver syndrome is slowly killing you. That's why you keep trying mindfulness and green smoothies and self-care trend after self-care trend. But that instinct for self-preservation is battling a syndrome that insists that self-preservation is selfish. So your efforts to care for yourself might actually make things worse, activating even more punishment from the world or from yourself. Because how dare you? Okay, in that book, 
joke they say that these the human givers are women but i would argue yes true but also highly sensitive people and empaths so i would imagine that men the, those who identify as men and who are also highly sensitive and empaths they might also relate to that syndrome and i can see how i've been acting out of that syndrome like yeah it's a disease it's true <laughs> i feel like when we are <laughs> we have this syndrome <laughs> The human giver. It's as if we are fo- we forget that we have uh, a little inner child within us who still has some needs. Who needs to be a child's uh, purpose is to be. They're not supposed to be born to give. They're supposed to be. But then when we are conditioned to give, we forget about being. And like I can see now in retrospect, I can see how I, how how much I had forgotten my inner child. You know, like little rim and. I'm giving my example, but I think so many of us forget our own little child within. And by giving too much to others, I was inflicting my inner child. What I was reproaching others to inflict me, for example, reproaching myself or reproaching her, reproaching myself to be too sensitive, reproaching myself to be too emotional, numbing my emotions with binge eating or binge drinking or binge binge exercising, even binge working, trying to compensate my perceived shortcomings, which by the way were what others around me had shamed me for, by overworking and constantly trying to learn new skills. I I love learning, nothing against learning, but I, I think I said almost at every episode I think when you it can become a compulsion when you learn too so much so much so much like you never do anything I mean you never take action you never put into practice what you learn it's coming from a place of lack not a, a place of not necessarily as a it doesn't necessarily come from a place of curiosity then it's unhealthy ignoring my needs and instead catering to others needs and believing that other people's emotions were my responsibilities and that I was always the faulty one and the reason why people were not happy. Another one was believing that my art was not good enough, that I should always aspire to higher and higher standards and <laughs> strive for some, I don't know, <laughs> like a level of perfection that actually was an ad- always out of reach. I was addicted to being perpetually disappointed. I was addicted to being a victim until I couldn't take it anymore. From small daily heartbreaks to huge, big, shattering heartbreaks, I finally got exhausted to be, quote-unquote, the victim. My past doesn't define me. I no longer want to play the blame game that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that some people do bad things but it's more about instead of putting all my attention on what I did wrong and into what they did wrong is like getting back to my well-being getting back to myself getting back to my emotions to me (laughs) to nurture myself and I remember one day I was feeling really low I had been feeling very low very low and I was like no (laughs) that's enough and I put my hands on my heart and promised myself I would never let myself down again. And I vowed to learn how to welcome my emotions and how to take responsibility for how I feel every day. And that includes taking care of my inner child. Learning how to treat her with the same love, tenderness and care that you would your child or any sensitive kid. And that completely changed everything. Because love, like the power of love, is um, is the one thing that helps to soothe our soul, to soothe our soul but also to soothe our nervous system because when we have 
been neglected in the past and we've had trauma and most of us have been traumatized in one way or another it's and when also when we are sensitive highly sensitive our nervous system is um well he's more sensitive than the average and if we had trauma it's even more sensitive and later on when we grow up even when we're adults triggering situations um this like it leads to a dysregulation of our nervous system basically but it's really hard to <laughs> feel good and it's really hard to process emotions and it's very hard to be clear with ourselves when our nervous system is dysregulated um, and unconditional love is the, the one vibration that allows our nervous system to to calm down to soothe to regulate you know i, I like to think of this uh, unconditional love that the mother has for her child um and basically as an adult i am supposed to be <laughs> i'm supposed to to be that for myself to give that to myself really so i'm going to share some tips or some ideas on how you can practice self-love in your life how you can um, love yourself more but first i want to share something about the human design uh, if you listen to if you've listened to my podcast before you might have noticed that i really like human design um but I think if you if you don't know, it would be interesting to check your chart and see whether you have an open G center. Uh, the G center is our identity center. It's the center for self love and self worth. <laughs> it's interesting because mine is undefined, which means I don't have access to consistent energy for self love, <laughs> direction, purpose, self worth. Like naturally, you don't have access to this consistently. But it also means like it's the it's always like that in the human design world but i think it's like that like i believe it's like that even if you don't relate or if you don't like human design if you don't uh, believe or pay attention to it it's this idea of the of double-edged sword so something might be a source of pain uh, you know like sensitivity or empathy it can be a source of pain as i've just been talking about this uh, in this episode but then there is a gift in it there is room for a lot of um, wisdom a lot of learnings and the things we learn we kind of pay attention to them more in our life in a way it's it becomes more precious and it develops compassion and a better understanding of human nature and better understanding of what others are going through so it can be a good thing too if we know how to harness it <laughs> in a positive way in a healthy way of course so how to practice more self-love in your life uh, well it starts with forgiving yourself and having compassion for yourself for all the things that happened before and also on the days like i think that that includes showing compassion to yourself for the days when you're not being kind or you're not you've not been kind to yourself or the days things don't work the ways you'd hope um i've had <laughs> past for the past several weeks i've had a big bout of melancholy and i was not satisfied with myself and guess what <laughs> This energy didn't help me to be more satisfied with myself and do the things faster or better. It just led to more melancholy and more frustration. And actually, I think melancholy is undervalued. It's something we tend to be afraid of. But what I've noted is there's also while learning human design, I saw that it was I have a strong. <laughs> it's really part of my design. So apparently. It's part of my DNA. It helps because that's why I like human design and astrology because it kind of... <laughs> 
gives me because I, I always love to know why 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 and to understand things it gives me a way to understand that actually I don't need to go and look too far into the reasons why but it's like it was that's how it's meant to be I'm meant to experience this and melancholy is um, can be the can be a source for um, beautiful creative expression if we can embrace it instead of beating ourselves for it and I've been practicing accepting that more and more and not attaching myself to it not judging myself for it and I know it will pass because it's uh, you know it's like emotions and moods they come and they go and it's possible <laughs> to hold different aspects of yourself at the same time I can be melancholic and I can still feel joy from time to time and and then at some other times I will have more energy and I will feel more lit up and alive in a way <laughs> But it doesn't mean I won't have uh, temporary difficult emotions at the same time. And that's all okay. So loving yourself more can also look like, you know, not ghosting. For me, it was, it's like not ghosting myself when friends or a potential date or even clients ghost me. In the past, I'd have complained and complained and asked myself, why? What did I do to deserve that? Or why do I always screw up? Or there's, there must be something wrong with me but now I'm like okay no like ghosting is not a good thing to do and that's okay that's their choice I have nothing to do with it and that doesn't mean anything about me I, I don't need to to take this is their thing their <laughs> crap <laughs> that they should be dealing with if they want to but it's not mine so when someone goes to me now I double down on self-care and self-care can mean different things for me it's dancing singing playing journaling and most of all creating whenever I have those moments where I have really negative emotions I always find that getting back maybe not right away <laughs> because usually a good cry is, is good <laughs> Uh, not always sometimes I, I don't want to I don't need to cry but I need to do something for myself something that is nurturing and creative expression is always very nurturing self-love can also mean taking time off and resting if and when we need it taking the time to process your emotions of course without rushing them without judging them it can also look like accepting the darker aspects of my personality of my psyche like being okay with not being perfect being okay with being selfish at times or, or not with not being nice at times and being okay and then that's fine <laughs> uh, like it's being able to hold different aspects of myself and not judging myself for it and then Looking for evidence of my lovability, of my worth right now, even if things are not perfect, even if some elements are not to my liking. And actually by accepting that I'm, that I'm lovable and worthy just right now, just the way I am. <laughs> It's like taking this out of the equation, really not banging my head on trying to prove it, not looking for outside evidence. So <laughs> that includes not caring at all about manifestation. <laughs> I don't need to have the perfect house, to have the perfect job, to have a lot of money in my bank, to have the best friends, the best partner, the best, best, best of everything, the perfect body and all of that to be lovable and worthy. And the same goes to you. 
But then, of course, when we are not used to see ourselves like that, it can be hard to believe it. So then looking for evidence of that is a good way, but not externally. It's more internally. <laughs> and that helps to take responsibility for the situations you dislike and to actually see what needs to change. And then you can begin to see that you can change them, that no matter what, you can handle things, you can handle life, you can handle challenges. That being said, when our nervous system is dysregulated and we are all, all so frazzled, it's really difficult <laughs> to see things clearly, to see possibilities, even to have compassion, because we're in a dysregulated state, like, you know, the nervous system is, is here to protect us, and protect us as in... <laughs> safety but it's um it's like coming from the <laughs> i'm sure you've heard this comparison because it's something we see everywhere these days this comparison to uh, how humans evolved to they had to keep themselves safe and they had to you know protect themselves from threat when they were living in nature so protect themselves from lions or bears and so on and we kept this uh, we kind of kept this uh, instinctive uh, protection instinctive yeah, protection mechanisms and and this uh, instinct for survival so when we are triggered by a situation now in our time in our days and times when we are triggered by something that is not going well by emotions by something um, our nervous system shuts down and it goes into survival mode really and then it's really hard to to soothe to calm down and to relax we need to the first thing is to regulate uh, your nervous system and my favorite practice so before i can like i shared all these things like you know love, um, creating dancing all of that it's great but sometimes my nervous system feels so Emotion feels so intense, I feel so disregulated that I feel like I could really do, <laughs> I feel like my inner child could really do with a motherly lo love, kind of love. And what I really love is to do like a self-love meditation, really, where I literally <laughs> talk to myself and talk to the different parts of my body. Um, because we are so much more than our minds, right? Uh, emotions are energy in emotion. So we need to, it's really important to <laughs> get in touch with these different parts of our body and to learn to notice where is the emotion located. I created a video uh, where I share this meditation. It's You can find it on YouTube. I'll put it in the show, link, show notes. And I've also created an audio version of this meditation. So... So that you could do it, you, you could practice it, you could do it every day. And actually several times a day would be great. For me, when I when I know I go through times where I'm more fragile and I feel like I need extra self-care, I put my alarm clock, I put, the, I put the alarm like several times per day, like five, six, seven times per day. And it's a reminder for self-love. Because the thing is so easy to forget, you know, when you try new practices, you, you, you might remember for a while, but you know, life goes on and <laughs> we get carried away and we, we can forget, especially when it's not ingrained in our ha daily habits yet. So 
I usually like I've been doing this for several years, but there obviously I do go through times where I'm off balance and I forget. And then I remember <laughs> and I put my alarm clocks and yeah, they, and then it, every time it, it buzzes, I'm like, okay, reminder. And, and I don't need to do, you don't need to, if you want to do that, you don't need to do this for 20 minutes. You know, it can be just one minute. But remembering to get back to yourself, to your inner child, to your body, to your soul. Six times per day, six times times one minute, it's already good. And it really helps to, like, every time I do that, after I feel good... I feel more relaxed, I feel more loving, more forgiving. Like I feel my body, the, the energy in my body more expansive and no more contri- not constricted contri- anymore. Constricted anymore, sorry. <laughs> and by the way, this is a form of subconscious uh, reprogramming because that's by sending your brain, your subconscious, this message of okay i'm i'm gonna send you love and when we do that we connect to our senses that's a way for for the for neural pathways to rewire it's like rewriting the codes for our nervous for our nervous system really which the nervous system is linked to our subconscious uh, so anyway, <laughs> I created this audio and you can find it and you can find it on my website in the shop under meditation and hypnosis audios. Put I will also put the link in the show notes. And if you're listening to this and you find yourself cynical and sarcastic, well, I understand. I used to feel like that. But really, I realized that this cynicism was in fact a way to keep myself small, to beat myself up even before others could criticize me. You know, it's a way to build walls around our heart. So I would invite you to to look at that. But really, like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter which technique you use, which techniques you try, as long as you find the one that works for you. But really developing a loving relationship with yourself is a big, big game changer, you will see. Switching from inner critic to inner loving as a default mode can change your life. It is like the roots of a tree. <laughs> I know I'm still with my garden and we yeah, have my garden metaphor, but it's like the roots of a tree really, healthily planted into the ground and nourished by a fertile soil. Love is a fertile soil because from this self-love, everything else will grow and flow through you. So my dear creative and sensitive soul, please, 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 please learn to accept, welcome, care for and love all of yourself including your sensitivity. If you're an empath, accept and love that as well about you. And others around you will too, at least those who matter. We don't need the others. We don't need everyone to love us. Loving yourself gives you wings, really. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if it has inspired you, please share it around you. Also, if you feel called to it, please subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review. It really helps to spread the world out. All your questions are welcome. You can send them to me on Instagram at rim.creativenergy.com or email me via my website rimcreativenergy.com and don't worry, I'll share in the show notes exactly where to find me. Until next time, sending you loving creative energy.